Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. <laughs> oh. That's funny, huh? Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we own the Lovett Company. We do so much together, and we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. That's right. A relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we wanted to share with you how we managed to run our business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we will talk about navigating the gray in life. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast. We are back one more again. We are back one more again. Coming to you live. From the house. From the house. We can't get it together. (laughs) You can't get it together. No, talk about some no we. We're team. Uh, If I can't get it together, you also cannot get it together. Oh, I got it together. (laughs) I got it together. What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about something that people are probably hearing a lot about right now if you're a U.S. citizen, voting. Voting. Yeah, we're going to talk about voting. We are. Uh, We think it's important, and we think that um, there's a lot of complaining and a lot of people who are in their feelings, and we want to make sure that they... Take advantage of the opportunity to do something about it, which is to get out and vote. Yeah, don't just complain. You got to yeah, do something. Exactly. So we're going to talk to you tonight not about what you should vote for. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. Or who you should vote for. No, we're not doing that Or either. what issues you should care about. No, we're not doing that either. Because you got to do all your own self-education on that. That's right. Do the research. That's find right. out for yourself. And then go make... An informed decision. Yes. We, tonight, are going to talk a little bit about the history behind the vote, because we're super interested in that. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, um, may or may not know about the history behind voting. I know I didn't find out until I was in college. Yeah. I didn't learn much about it in my household, didn't learn much about it that I remember in school, and when I got to college... I remember it was a thing, and I was like, well, if I vote, what does it actually mean? Right. How do I do it? What's the purpose? Right. Why? And as I continued to educate myself, and especially during some votes, um, voting seasons that happened from since when I was in college, uh, up until now, I've just continued to learn and educate myself. And, and we want to share some of the information that we've gained and um educate you mm-hmm. inform you remind you of voting why it's important the history of it 
And it's super important today if you're listening on Monday when we release this because it is your last day to register to vote. That's right. October 5th. October so 5th. So make sure that you register and it's super important. And I mean, I think we're going to go through some of the reasons it's important. It's This is not going to be like... We're not going to go through like all the wars and everything. Although there were wars fought so that you can vote. So you should vote. People died. People died. So you can vote. So you can vote. If you look like me, people, people died. died. So you can so vote. You can vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that's funny you said that. Because when I was trying to think back to what I remembered learning about voting, I couldn't remember anything Like, I think I got to college and just assumed that America, like, as America started, everybody could vote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just, so there was, yeah, just, that was everybody's right, was Mm. to vote, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what they teach you. That's what they say, is that everybody's right to vote. So I just assumed that it's always been everybody's right to vote, and that's why they created America, so we could all vote. But you wouldn't have been able to vote until after night. 1920? 1920. Okay, 1920. I had to think about that yep. for a second. You would have been able to vote until after 1900, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that it, and this country was founded, well, they signed the declaration in 1776. I should probably know my dates. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm just going to say, yeah, <laughs> go, say, go, go with you on that we one. We are the best people. To be get. We know a lot about voting today, yeah. though, because we did our history I knew 1920. <laughs> I did know that one. I hesitated a little bit, but I felt real good, so I just kind of let it like fizzle its way out, <laughs> and then you confirmed that I was right. Okay. Well, let's talk. This is going to be like a historical timeline, but I want you to tell me what you think as we talk through this. So this is a history on your right to vote so that you know, so you're not like us and like, oh, just thought you could always vote. No. Okay. So... America was formed as a democracy, right? Mm-hmm. And in a democracy, that means the people get to vote. But the way that it started out when we signed the Declaration of Independence in the 1700s, not everybody was considered equal. Right. We know that. I think by now in 2020, like hopefully everybody at least has some understanding of that's like whether you agree right now or not. That is our history is that people were not considered equal. So the people who had the right to vote back then when America was started were the wealthy, elite, white males. Right. Essentially. And that was it. That was it. That was all. So not everybody was considered equal. And the only way that you could vote is if you owned property. Right. Not any other way. You had to be white. You had to be a man. And you had to own property. So that automatically excluded, I would say, a huge majority of the population. They made all the rules. So why let anybody else vote? Right. You know, they made all the rules, so they should be the ones to get the vote. They should be the ones to get the vote. That's how they set it up. That is exactly how it went. (laughs) So voting back then, this is stuff that I found out I just learned about today because I didn't know how people voted per se. Um, But but voting back then was actually per your voice. And what I didn't know is they would have these like huge, drunken, carnival type political voting polls so all these white men would get together and drink a lot which is why we're having a little brewski just to you know 
Shout yep. out to the carnival-like polling back in the 1700s. Um, and they would just all get together and they would shout out their political party and the person that they liked the most and they'd all get really drunk and then they'd go home. Yep. And I'm kind of halfway wondering if that's how we should do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody was up there with a the little paper. All right, get that. I got it. I got it. Get that. Get that. You know, just just tallying it up. How many brews do you think it took them before they were like, oh, I don't even know where that piece of paper went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's how people voted like back in the day. So not surprisingly, turnout rates for voting were very high, like 85% high. Of, of course. It's like show up, come have a beverage <laughs> and vote. Like literally out loud, verbally vote. Yeah. I feel like we've been in organizations like this. Yes. Turnout turn is high when there's beer involved. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, I, I could just imagine, though, um, when this was getting ready to happen and how all of these. I feel like these people, this is what they did on the regular anyways back in those days. Like, yeah, just a whole bunch of wealthy white men <laughs> just hanging out, smoking cigars. Yeah. Having having drinks. And then they basically said, all right, let's do it again. But this time we're going to vote. That's true. And everybody else was not included, not invited because of their status or, you know, financial situations. That's a great point. So. That's a really good point. Okay, so from there, from like the late 18th 18th century into 1800s and like by the late 1800s, we're (laughs) post-Civil War. So by that time, the 15th Amendment of the Constitution was adopted and ratified, Mm -hmm. which said that former black slave males could vote. Right. Um, This was a huge threat to the people in the South. Yeah. who were already up in their feelings about, quote-unquote, losing the Civil War. Um, and they were in their feelings about it because they could no longer own slaves and they had to pay for labor, right? Mm-hmm. So the South is real sad. They're real angry because they lost a lot of their economy with that. And they have to actually pay people now. Now they're telling former slaves that they actually have a right to be an American citizen and vote and hold office. And so they don't like that. Definitely not in the South. Yep. And so in the South, they form white militia groups such as the KKK and early police police forces. They were just very threatened by this. So they would troll polling locations so mm-hmm. they could intimidate black men and incite violence in order to prevent them from voting or to prevent their name from getting on the ballots. Right. Um, so, yes. You know, that happened. yeah, I mean, I don't really have much to add to it. It's just kind of like they weren't considered equal black. I'm black man is what I'm talking about, because that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't considered equal. And then finally, they had the opportunity to vote and be a part of the um, the system, I guess. And then these people like intentionally like created groups to go out and try to stop them from voting. Mm hmm. That's, That's how it crazy, went. Crazy, man. That's how it went. Well, and you know, I don't think I I would love to do an episode on this sometime and I know that right now it's very like a sore spot for America. But this is where our traditional 
modern day forms of policing started Mm -hmm. is from from white militia groups who were out trying to set things right law and order law and order Mm -hmm. right in in the south really um although i think it happened all across the nation but it was very concentrated in the south so i thought this was interesting too is that just a few years so at that point, the Supreme Court and Congress and everybody was kind of still staying out of states' rights, right? And so at this point, after the 15th Amendment was passed, southern states kind of rega- regained some ground for white supremacists by adopting poll tax legislation mm-hmm. and the grandfather clause. So poll tax legislation was basically you have to pay to vote. Yeah. And you had to pay this particular sum and so you could only vote if you, if you had money. were a rich probably white male that's it so they found a way and create a loophole in the system that was the loophole to keep black men from voting yeah and if by some chance a black man did come in had money to pay the poll tax they also some states adopted the grandfather clause yeah. Which is basically, you can't vote unless your grandfather voted. And mm-hmm. that effectively eliminated almost every person who had been a slave because right. they just had the 15th Amendment passed. So yeah. there was not that. <laughs> yeah. When did it help me? Um, was there a literacy test or something also? Is that somewhere in here we get into? Yeah. I don't know. So that, you know, to be honest, I don't know exactly when that started. I know that there was a recurrence of it. So we're going to get to it in our okay, timeline. Okay, I get you. Um, because it was re... I, be- I do believe they also had literacy um, tests then. But I don't know because we're talking about right now, like the 1800s. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And education, formal education was just sort of becoming a thing, I think, don't quote me on this, but just my critical thought process is that you would also effectively eliminate some of the white men from voting if you did have literacy tests at that time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but I'm not for sure on that. So, But I do know that it did happen a little bit later on. We're going to talk about that. So this is also interesting. I looked at, I'm going to have to throw in the articles that we were, um, that we used for this, but I was looking up kind of the history of voting and how we got to, to the place and time we're at. And I was also looking up the types of voting, right? So what we found out is that, um, we went from a voice, like vote by voice in Mm -hmm. these like loud drunken bar scenes. Um, and then we went to putting down votes on paper. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this, but this is where the term party ticket comes from. So in the early 19th century, people would start writing their votes down on paper, but none of that was like official through the government. So the Republicans and the Democrats, they wanted to capitalize on this. Uh-huh. And so they actually started pre-printing like Republican on a ticket, what they called a party ticket, and then Democrat on like a party ticket. And so if you wanted to vote party lines, you just went in and handed the party ticket over and they're like, oh, they're voting for the Republican candidate. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think that's smart or do you think that's stupid? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> that's like a, that's a softball question right there. I know. <laughs> that's about the stupidest thing. <laughs> Come on now. Who uh, they in there like? Oh, thank you for voting this party. Trash. <laughs> Here, put this one in the pile. Thank you for voting this party. Trash. Put this one in the pile. 
Like they just got a stack of whatever over to the side and they just trading them out. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing. Yes, that's true. So this is like where we talk about voting fraud or like election fraud. This is where that term also kind of came in because people people would think that. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, well, how do I know you're not stacking the votes with Republican or Democrat? You know, so it's just it's really interesting. Um, so that happened for a while, and then people made enough noise about fraud, voter fraud, with that system, with the party ticket system, which is so interesting that we still use that term, that in 1838, the Australian ballot was adopted from, go figure, Australia, where all the party candidates were on the ballot and individual could choose not just from their own party. So it was finally looking a little bit more like what we see today. Mm-hmm. Still like market with you know a pencil and hand it to somebody so let's fast forward to 1920 what happened in 1920 1920 they let the women vote hey they let the women vote there is we could probably do like five whole episodes just on that yeah um so instead of doing that so women got the right to vote yay us okay 1960s so in the 1960s, this is kind of where we start to see the um, some of those policies that you're talking about with like literacy tests. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the same time we start to see integration. Right. Not surprisingly, southern states are like, ooh, no, integration. No, it's terrible. So they ramp up their legislation for votes. It was very broad reaching, but it was really meant to suppress anybody who was not white. So what they would say is they would say, no, you have to pay a poll tax. You have to, no low low income families can vote. You have to take a literacy test to be able to vote. Essentially, what they're trying to do is still keep out a black vote or at that point, like a Hispanic vote. They just didn't. That was not in the cards for anybody in the South. They did not want that. So this is also in the 60s in March 1965. This Mm -hmm. is when we see the march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. Yep. Um, We see that they... During that march, Bloody Sunday happened. Bloody Sunday, yep. Um, that was when the marchers who were primarily abolitionist, or well, I can't say abolitionist because that was technically civil war, but pro- right. pro-integration, right. white people and black people, and people who were living in poverty or low socioeconomic status all came they together. They all joined together, yep. March from Selma to Montgomery, and there, this is when Bloody Sunday happened because there were these violent clashes against the all-white police forces along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And another side note, I just think that's interesting that we're seeing kind of the same thing. The Selma to Montgomery, Alabama march was led by people like Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Um, His name is... uh, Who? John. I want to say John Legend. John Legend. (laughs) John Lewis, thank you. John Lewis. I just have like John Legend in my mind right now because oh really the baby situation with him and Casey oh, Teagan. Okay, I know. Yeah, I'm like, what you over here thinking about John Legend? We talking about I mean, vote. I do. Love, we love talking John about Legend. voting right now. That's true. 
But See, yes, we John Lewis. We talking about Lewis. voting for the Grammys. We talking presidential vote. <laughs> John Lewis, Martin Luther King Jr., like all of these legends in civil rights movement. So yes, so that drew national attention, um, and that is when you know people with some sensibility started making noise about the fact that we had all these um, voting issues, right? So by 1965. The Voting Rights Act is a bill that came out that Congress signed um, that basically the Supreme Court ruled that um, unfair polling practices were unconstitutional. So poll taxes were unconstitutional. Literacy tests were unconstitutional. Yes. Yes. This I didn't know. In 1971, the right to vote moved from age 21 to age 18. Yeah. I didn't know that. I heard that somewhere. Yeah. I, I, I was aware of that. I, just I had didn't, no idea. I just didn't know the year. Um, but yeah. It's still crazy to me. You can vote, serve, and die in the military. Right. And you can't go to the bar and grab a drink. Right. <laughs> it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Come on now. Yeah, I know. Um, okay, so... In terms of how we're voting, if we move forward to 1910-ish, so like the early 20th century, um, the first automated machines appeared. And I can't remember, some guy invented them. Um, And so they were basically these like levers and you would go and you would push a lever down, Mm -hmm. right? And it was like... And it would be like, boop. Okay, you voted for this person, this person. You had to push all your levers down and then it would... Quote, unquote, count the vote. Right. Um, But what people didn't know is there had to be like this whole other process on the other side to make sure that that vote was counted. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that didn't actually happen. (laughs) So (laughs) there was actually, with this automated process, people had a lot of confidence in it because it was a big machine during like the industrial boom. Yeah. But it actually didn't really do what they thought it did. (laughs) Nah, it captured the vote. Sure. It captured it. But it may or may not have counted the votes. Exactly. But it did capture it, though. Yeah. Mm. In that moment in time. (laughs) Yes. So from there, after that, we see in like the 1960s that IBM and a few other like computer companies Mm -hmm. invented the voter punch card, which is this, which was really cool. They used it for years. Like I'm talking about all the way up to recent. So you would mark... And then it would punch your card, what you marked, and then you, it still had to be sent to a counter, right? And it could actually, the computer could actually read your what you wrote. Not by scan, but through a punch system. So that worked really well until Florida. <laughs> yeah. Because Florida. Mm-hmm. So Florida, that huge, the great Florida recount of 2000, where... Ooh, that George Bush and Al Gore? Yes. Oh, my goodness. That thing was crazy. That was crazy. Yes. They had to recount all of the Florida votes. Yeah. Um, they had to literally go through all of them and see if one of the... Uh, I can't remember what they call it now, but the little tab was punched out or not. Right. And I'm like, can you imagine having to go through that many ballots? Yeah. I can't imagine it. So anyway, Florida screwed it up for us. That's fine. And it still wasn't like, like it was only, he only lost by like. It was close. Still. Yeah. It was like five, six hundred 
votes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Go look it up. But I, I think is I'm at like that 87% right now. I feel <laughs> like I'm 87% correct. But it was like five, 600 votes difference. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do. I, I vaguely remember when it happened, but just like doing research and just hearing what people always talk about. Like, I just know that. Right. Mm, 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 mm. And I say like 2000 seems like yesterday for us. Anyway, I'm sure we have some people listening who were born in 2000. That's fine. So 1993. This is very interesting. So driven by a very low voter registration across America, Congress passed the National Voter Registration Act, which required that Americans could register to vote at the same time they applied for a driver's license. Okay. So in 19... I found this interesting because our our ancestors, some of whom are still alive today, fought really, really hard for our right to vote. And in 1993, which was not that long after the Civil Rights Act, mm-hmm. Voter Rights Act, not that long after all these, <laughs> they had to pass a law because there was such low voter registration in America. Right. Like, it kind of makes me sad. Yeah. And, and when I look at these dates and I think, and I'm just like, man, like, it wasn't really that long ago. Mm-mm. We talking like, what, 60 years? Yeah. Like, they're still parents yeah grandparents like that are still living that that went through integration that went through that that went through civil rights act like, and the voting rights it wasn't act. that long ago yeah. so yeah yep um so after i guess we let's we'll move back to what we were talking about with the type of voting but after the 2000 debacle the government poured money into voter touch screens so this is like a great idea right because you can actually go up yeah. vote the computer counts your vote with a, a touch well it costs too much money <laughs> yeah which i think is crazy now because we all have like i guess back in 2000 that makes sense that it yeah. costs too much money but now we them. all have like we touch everything and it's like it's just the computer screen like yeah you touch a um are you happy with our service like a yes or a no at a, at like the airport <laughs> yeah it's crazy. So they went for yeah. the punch out and they said, we got to do something about this. Yep. So then they came up with a better solution mm-hmm. and they were like, ooh, this solution better, but ooh, it costs too much. It costs too much. Man. There's no, they're not, I don't, I have not seen any imperative and I think it's clear with like all of the confusion around voting in 2020. Yeah. There's not been a major government imperative to put money towards this part of our democracy, which is arguably the most important part of Americans' democracy, because it's the closest that any of us are really going to get to the public office when you talk in terms of majority of Americans, right? So I think it's kind of disheartening. I mean... Here's my question. Do you think it's still a part of the system, though? Like define the system. So if you go all the way back mm-hmm. to how we talked about what voting was in the 18th century, who it was for mm-hmm. and how we've made you know progress over the years. And it's like I, me, I'm going to say me. This is Daryl talking y'all. So this ain't no history or nothing. I still feel like they there are still ways to 
like check people. Yes, there you are. You know what I mean? I feel like there's still ways. And, and when you talk about solutions being out there, but the response to a, a solution that will work is, oh, no, we don't want to invest that much money. Why? Because the value for equality and voting and not just for me race or anything like that, but just the equality overall and voting is not important. Yeah. But then we can go and spend billions of dollars and millions of dollars on defense. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, and not only do I agree from the standpoint of, yes, I agree, especially when you look at like demographic um, issues or demographics that could potentially hinder the vote, right? So people are less likely to feel like they can vote and feel like their voices are heard if they are in low, if they have low income, in low socioeconomic areas, if they are um, not white, just all around. And I don't know about women. I'm not sure about women, to be honest. I don't know if women feel like they can vote or not, but I want to say yes to all those things. And there is current, not current history, recent history to demonstrate exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So recent history, if we think back to, let's kind of go back to like the 1965, 66, okay. when, when we, the Voting Rights Act came out. With the Voting Rights Act, the other thing that that act did was it put protections in place for people, for mm -hmm. American people, by way of if any states wanted to make any major changes to voting laws or regulations, they had to go through the U U.S. Department of Justice for review. Right. This hindered a lot of the state's abilities to put in place discriminatory right. practices for mm -hmm. voting. So this was in place from 1965 until 2013. And there right. was a landmark Supreme Court case that gutted the Voting Rights Act in 2013. And this was using a case called Shelby County versus Holder. And basically what this case said is that, like, after the ruling of this case, the Supreme Court said the states no longer had to submit any changes in their election laws right. to the U.S. Just Justice Department for review. Mm -hmm. This was that landmark case that we all know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, rest in peace, bless her, she wrote her famous dissent that everybody knows now. And where she said, throwing out preclearance, and preclearance is like the, you have to go through the U.S., Department of Justice, if you so want to make change these changes. Yeah. yeah. So she said, throwing out preclearance when it has worked and is continu continuing to work to stop discriminatory changes is like throwing away your umbrella in a rainstorm because you are not getting wet. And I feel like we all, we all, I don't know, people who pay attention remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg for these words because she was very directly speaking back in her dissenting opinion towards a basically almost all white Supreme Court justice group. Right. Um, and so I, oh, just so much history there. And I have a lot of respect for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, so what this did was this gave states, especially states like North Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida specifically, although I'm sure there are more and I'm sure that most of them were in the South, mm -hmm. um, but it gave them the chance to ramp up barriers to voting without having any checks and balances. Right. 
Basically. Once they took that away, it was a fair game. Yep. To make all the changes, like I said, to go back and reflect the system. Yep. Of how things were originally set up to prohibit marginalized people. Yep. From a fair opportunity to vote. Yep. Mm. So one of the ways, and this is just one example, but one of the ways that they hindered this process was in 2013, in North Carolina specifically, they ruled that you had to have a um, a certain type of ID to mm-hmm. go to the polls and vote. This is very discriminatory because it's very hard. Some people just don't even have like a driver's license, let alone right. can go and get an ID for voting. I mean, it just, there's like all these, it's another barrier to put in the way. And so luckily the federal court did deem that that was unconstitutional. Um, but this case is just really opened it up for, it basically just gutted the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. And we haven't been able to turn around from it since 2013. Nope. They basically just said, uh, we gave y'all too much freedom and, and too much flexibility. Let's start discriminating a little bit more so we can get this thing back on track. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's how it was. That, yeah. It was like, oh, 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 we gave them too much, y'all. Like, come on, let's reel it in. Let's reel it in. Yeah. Here, y'all don't need us no more. Go ahead and make these changes feel comfortable, feel free. Yep. And places did it. Jumped right on it. Sure enough. Yep. Well, so I think this leads us to modern day because we're in 2020 um, and we are seeing what I think are like reincarnations of um, of past issues. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to say this the right way, right? Yeah. But um, I, I think it's even just very clear. I know the last presidential or the last, the first presidential debate for the general election was last week. Um, I don't even remember what date. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was last week. Um, But it was the first presidential debate for the general election. So Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, right? And Donald Trump was talking about... he, um, He was talking about how, like, if you mail in your ballot, then, you know, it could end up in a river and how they found all these ballots in a river. But none of these are based on fact. Um, So there was fact checking that happened. And this actually like nobody can figure out where this actually happened, Mm -hmm. um, where these ballots were found in the river. So I think, you know, there's just something like there's narrative that happens. There's like rhetoric that happens (laughs) in the political arena and the political theater um, just to to ensure that (laughs) things can happen a certain way or if they don't turn out a certain way that you can say something happened happened or about them right the other thing that i noticed and i think this was um a big you know if you're listening back to this particular episode in like 10 years and you're like oh yeah i vaguely remember that but also another thing that happened at this particular presidential debate um, was that the moderator asked for the current sitting president, who is Donald Trump, to denounce white supremacy. And um, he didn't exactly do that. Um, Instead, what he did was he said, um, proud boys stand down and stand by. 
Proud Boys is a very known white nationalist supremacy group. Um, And so he told them to stand down and stand by. And then what I noticed the next day on his Twitter page, because if you're listening in 10 years, yes, the president does tweet as his method of communication. Um, But on his Twitter page the next day, he did ask for people to go to the polls to, quote unquote, monitor the polls from his base. Mm hmm. Um, knowing what we know in 2020, that a majority of the people who do support Donald Trump do tend to fall into a, they, they do tend to identify, not all of them, but a lot identify as white. Um, that's as much as I want to claim right now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but a lot of them identify as white. This does feel a lot like a dog whistle mm-hmm. to intimidation to bring intimidation to polling areas. Right. Um, there is no reason that a political party's candidate should need to say to their base, you need to go monitor the polls, and especially one that does not denounce white supremacy. Right. Um, so it's very reminiscent um, and almost like a reincarnation of kind of those early on, like early or late, police. yeah, late 19th mm-hmm. century, early 20th century um, militia groups. Yeah, with the KKK and police out intimidating monitoring the polls yeah it's Mm -hmm. like one big cycle yep so yeah um so yeah so that's kind of the history i mean that's basically like a history of a very broad history but a history of like from where we started to 2020 but the i think the biggest takeaway is that there were a lot of obstacles in the way for every american to be able to vote Right. In a democratic nation that was established so that people could, all people could vote. Right. So I'll follow you up on that. And um, (coughs) knowing the history and knowing that whomever you are, you have an opportunity to vote, be informed. Be informed. And go and, and... Exercise your right. Yeah, exercise your right and vote. Just do it. Yeah. You know, and and like we said to start this episode off, like if you're complaining or you're arguing or you're going back and forth with people and you didn't or don't vote, then you just need to shut your mouth and go sit down somewhere. I knew you were going to say that. That's pretty much it. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter which side you're on. Like, That's true. that to us right now, we're not even talking about that. It doesn't no. matter which side you're on. But if you're out here arguing with people and going back and forth and you didn't or don't vote, shut your mouth and go sit down somewhere. Yeah. Better yet, go vote. Mm-hmm. And then that there's your ticket, your ticket to go back and forth. Yep. And I'll tell you, in order to register, so you have Monday, October 5th, if you're listening to us on Monday when we release this episode, make sure you are registered. Make sure it is correct. Um, your address is correct. Like, you, you're you able to. Um, I also think it might be the last day to request mail-in ballots. Mm. Um, so just make sure. I think that, you know, social media for <laughs> all of the interesting that you're going to get on social media during this time right now. Um, one of the good things I've seen on Facebook, Instagram, 
and Twitter and maybe even LinkedIn is that they do have a very easy like click here if you want to register to vote. So it makes it very easy. Click. I think you fill in your state and then it'll take you to the page to register. Yeah, it'll direct you. Yeah, it's very, very easy. It's very simple. Please do it. And then educate yourself on the issues so you're not just going in and voting down a party line or you're not just going in and voting just to vote because you I think you have to vote responsibly too. Right. Yep. So that's it for me. That's it. That's a lot of history. Until the next time. Bye. Peace. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on any podcast platform and make sure that you rate us. Also, we do have a YouTube channel if you prefer to watch our antics. And we also provide closed captioning. And if you want to know more about us, go check us out on our website at successinblackandwhite.com. Or you can reach out to us directly on social media. My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all platforms. And mine is April Dawn Lovett on all platforms.